Boat Talk is brought to you in part by Captain Yo's Flaming Fish Performance Models, handmade miniature wooden sailing vessels, on the web at flamingfish.net, little ships for big kids. Support for Boat Talk also comes from Front Street Shipyard, a Midcoast, Maine boat building, repair, and storage facility located in Belfast. Front Street Shipyard on Penobscot Bay, offering dockage, service, and amenities for owners, captains, and crew. Online at frontstreetshipyard.com or 930-3740. And the time is 10 o'clock. This is Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming worldwide at weru.org. Stay tuned for Boat Talk. Good morning, good morning. It's the second Tuesday of the month, 10 o'clock in the morning. Time to start up Boat Talk, which happens once a month here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill, 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor. Around the world at WERU.org. Boat Talk is a call-in show for people contemplating things naval with your rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague. And today we're welcoming back Giffy Full, back from uh, his winter hiatus. Welcome back, Giffy. Glad to be here. And um, we're just going to dive right into our, our local news scene, so I forgot to think about a pun. We'll come up with something later. No pun? Yeah, I already used the uh, getting dingy thing. Alan, I tell you what, I'm I'm not superstitious at all, but I do things the I same know. way all the time just to stay safe. You <laughs> we know? were talking about that a little while yeah, ago. Yeah, I put one sock on first, but the other shoe sort of thing, and it has no significance to it at all, like not having a pun, but it's safer to do things, you know, just the same way you always do them. And <laughs> Yeah. The Red Sox not going to win the pennant, perhaps, if you know, without that lucky sock sort of thing. You know what I'm saying? No mm. pun. Oh, well. All right. I'll have to look for some holistic medicine to take care of that problem. Ah, that was sort of punny. That was, yeah, desperate <laughs> right there. <laughs> How quick. Well, so you didn't bring a pun, and I didn't bring any news items. How are we doing so far? Uh, yeah, we're right on, right at... Pretty much normal operating procedure. Yeah, thank but you. we do we do have a full table full of people here. We're uh, so happy to see Giffy uh, back here after the winter this morning, and we also have in uh, our good friend Captain Sonny Perkins, uh, better known as Captain Bernie in his career, yeah. but Sonny Sonny from Penobscot to listeners of the community radio, uh, different talk shows, and Sonny's a, uh, a retired merchant master who came up uh, through the Hawes pipe, started as an able-bodied seaman, and been around and we thought we talked to Sonny this morning that was when we didn't know the phones were working and and the phones are working this morning yes yes we'll give the number right now just to tell that it's people who've been waiting all these time to call in to boat talk 1-866-625-9378 that's 1-866-625-9378 now before the phone rings let's take care of a little piece of business we can uh probably uh uh, just do this way. I talked to Pete from Surrey last week on the Barefoot Blues Hour. He had a boat talk question. Ah. Pete has an aluminum uh, runabout boat that has uh, started to get powdery on the transom. It's electrolyzing a little bit. The The metal is turning into a uh, gray powder on the transom. He keeps this boat in the garage. He trailers it back and forth. has a 25-horse motor on it. And obviously... Um, something is reacting with the aluminum, and that's called uh, electrolytic uh, action in a boat. It's basically two dissimilar metals in salt water make a battery. Mm-hmm. And as those uh, two metals work in the solution, uh, you, you end up with a powdery substance where your solid metal used to be. Right. And I would say to Pete that you uh, probably have two different kinds of metal going in your boat there. Uh, maybe there are stainless steel screws in your transom, for instance. Uh, in aluminum boats, you never want to drop a penny in the bilge, just for instance. you got no. to be very careful. Dollar bills work better. Mm. Good one, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, does that make any sense so far, Giffy? You're yeah, much yeah, more... Yeah, I don't know much about those small boats, but I would assume there's something in the outboard that's probably causing it more than anything yeah my, my thought was that maybe he had a, a metal fuel tank that's sitting right on the on the hall well that's possible yeah. well, possible what, what's around it i know down in castine the, uh, the closer you moor to the academy ship 
More uh, white paralysis you have. Oh, yes. At, at no charge. Yeah. At no charge. <laughs> that was one of my first questions, but he does not leave the boat in the... If it lived in a marina, often there's a lot of straight current running around in marinas. Yes, there is. And yeah. you can be the victim of somebody else's electricity Absolutely. attack your boat. Absolutely. Um, but in this case, uh, the boat's trailered. It, it uh, just goes fast from place to place. So. Well, it's the age of the aluminum, too, and and I, I would assume there's something on the lower unit of the outboard that may be interfering. Yeah. Yeah. So while it's uh, working, it's actually being a, you know, that old science uh, fair experiment where you stick the uh, two pieces of metal in the lemon? In the lemon, yeah. Same idea. You want to pull one of them pieces? You got to pull one of them pieces of metal out of your lemon. So, uh, and I don't know, would he want to... um, Coat the uh, aluminum with some kind of uh, epoxy paint or something to seal it? Well, I would think it would help. Uh, I'd probably, I, I don't, like I say, I don't know enough about it but without, you know, making a study out of it. But I would probably uh, paint it with something like rust lock. Couldn't hurt. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't hurt. hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a story for uh, hopefully we'll shed a little bit of light. Yeah. Um, I like click and clack. People call them up and, and uh, or you know how you bring your car into the mechanic and it won't make that noise in front of them sort of thing? <laughs> yeah. 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 No. So it may not have been a perfect diagnosis, but again, uh, it looks like electrolysis action. Well, we started off with a riveting conversation to begin with anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned something there before we started here about uh, the little operation called Windward Passage. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's a very, very nice thing for children. To be able to have a sailing experience for a week along the local coast of Maine. I think it's a wonderful program, and I'd like to see people participate in it a little more. On uh, Windward Passage uh, news here, um, our friends from uh, Off Center Harbor, the website that uh, we had Bill Stone in here, we talked to him about the Steve, off- Steve Stone, yeah. Off Center Harbor website there. They have produced a short video about. Havla Hawkins and Vela. Havla is the captain and and builder of Vela, and uh, he charters it to Windward Passage, and and he takes those kids out. And so offcenterharbor.com has just one of the nicest little films you will ever see featuring our friend Havla Hawkins. Havla Hawkins, yes, as a philosopher. Uh, He's in motion and, uh, you know, um, on deck uh, sailing the boat and talking a little philosophy there, and it's highly, highly recommended great little promotional tool and you see what an asset somebody like Havel Hawkins is to um, somebody like Windward Passage is what makes me yeah. think he Havel was literally born into it his family helped pioneer the uh, schooner trade in Maine with the old Mary Day uh, among other things so literally born into it knows uh, knows the coast from experience and knows everybody everywhere he goes and, and a great thing now having mentioned uh, Windward Passage we also have to mention Hots Heart of the Storm. We were approached by these people just very recently, and they are starting a new uh, teen sailing program. They're in Blue Hill, and they have come into a teak catch, which they are repairing at the present time. I believe this will be their second season, and they asked if they could come on the program. Now, we're all booked up a little bit, but uh, we're going to get to them just as quick as we can, possibly June, I'm thinking. Uh Wow. Yeah. And... For anybody that has anything like that you'd like to talk about, too, here, here again is our phone number, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Let's get to the important business, Alan, the part about us. Oh, yes. We're going to cruise into uh, more fame and fortune. Oh, well. Yeah, really? Maybe 50 <laughs> minutes of fame and no fortune. <laughs> the Boat Talk Cruise is coming around again, June 22nd. It's a Saturday. Going to leave. In a yard. In a fiard, yes. We're going to be uh, having a, a serious discussion on fiards versus fiords. A lot of people are saying, what's a fiard, you know? But uh, it's spelled, at least according to my Google searches, it's spelled F-I-A-R-D. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a junior-sized fiord. And somehow uh, people are saying that Soma Sound has been declassified and it's no longer a fiord, but it's now a fiard. You know, kind of like Pluto is no longer a planet. Huh. <laughs> We will see about that. I've been awful proud. We're going to have, I think, our own uh, uh, vote or on the boat. We'll have a, a fee yard versus fee yard vote and make it official right there on the uh, 
actual on-site observation will will declare it. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty personally attached to that fjord there, and, and uh, we'll have to see I'm about I'm sure a change, lot of chamber commerces are, too. Changing terminology. Yeah. Um, Giffy, we got to ask you, what'd you do all winter? Where you been? <laughs> I stayed away from the water. <laughs> you did? You go to Florida most winters. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Not that much. I was involved in a, another charity program, which I like. Checking uh, checking out a boat? No, for no, not at all. Did it involve no. horses? Horses. Yeah. Horses? Yeah. yeah. Um, Didn't see that coming. It's, uh, it's therapeutic riding for handicapped children. Nice. Ah, yeah. That's very, always Very good. much so, handicapped children. It's a great program. It's just totally different from anything related to being on the water, but it's a worthwhile thing, and I get pleasure out of helping. I run into some uh, little girls in Ellsworth at, at the uh, food pantry a little while ago, and, and they are from the local horse club, and they were in volunteering. And I says, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a boat person, and, and boats are a lot like, like, lot like horses. And they looked at me like, says, yeah, right. And I says, well, um, you got to keep them someplace special. They're more expensive than you think. They take more looking out for than you think. You don't get to use them as much as you think. You know, I could go on forever about that. Yeah. And, uh, and they you thought, can't leave them on the moor and unattended. That either. you can't leave them unattended. <laughs> exactly right. And, the, and they got it right away. And the, and the little horse girls thought that was just about right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, well, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's just something different, and I enjoy helping out with it. Yeah. Nice. And it's all mostly done by volunteers. And the horses can tell, can't they? Yeah, they're very, very sensitive. Yeah, yeah, very sensible and mm-hmm. know how to get along with these kids. They're, hmm. yeah. they're they really are amazing creatures when you get to know them a little oh, I've better. I've had two. Yeah, 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 very much so. Now, Giffy, you're you're uh, you know you're getting up there in years and, and uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. This is nice. I needed you to remind me. Nice as I could come up with on short short thinking there, but. Um, here's the point. You have an expertise that is just uh, unmatched, basically, and people always still approach you for your expertise. Were you working on anything uh, in your non-retirement this winter? Any kind of boat things in the background there? That Oh, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. Hmm. I'm, I'm really strange. <laughs> I, I'm uh, working on another boat for myself. Another boat? <laughs> yeah, I'm... I'm uh, Almost got it pretty well done. To, uh, close to 100-year-old motor dory. Motor yeah. dory. Yeah, power dory. Yeah. Hmm. Now, this won't replace your little lobster yacht, no, little Jim. No, 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 no. Okay, no, you had me no. worried for a minute there. Yeah, no, no. Because she is a little Jim. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you got uh, her just so. It's just interesting. It was an old boat I, that uh, I used to be involved with that I found up in the woods going to pieces, and I shouldn't... <laughs> even gone to look at it but i felt bad and i about it and i wound up getting it and uh, peter chase did a lot of work on it and i've done a lot of work on it and it'll be ready this summer nice when i was a youngster in nova scotia i was involved with the saint pierre dory with a uh, yeah. make and break motor in yeah. it and i that's not really what we're talking about i hope because that boat was quite quite a uh, chore to make go well places. this boat originally had a make and break yeah and uh it's a pretty rare boat. There's one other mate to the boat, pretty much mate to it, over in Bass Harbor. I've never seen it, but it's it's over there. Nice. Hmm. This boat has got to be close to 100 years old. Wow. I'm going to have to uh, come over to your place and take some pictures of it, put it on yeah. the Boat Talk website so people yeah, can see that. It's an interesting boat. That's why I wanted to save it. And it's, it's a well-built boat. They built, they built them like you build Chevrolet cars. And... Uh, this particular one was built by Cape Dory Power Company. Yeah. And when I was a little kid, there was still half a dozen of them around. They were essentially a, a little day power boat and mostly lobster work boats. Work boats. And how do you envision using it? I haven't even thought that far ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get it done for... Just, uh, again, the... Um you know, there there's a uh, fellow life obsessed with boats, right there. You yeah, know, yeah. kind of can't help yourself in yeah, some situations. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, we do. Well, you know what I call it? It's a fatal disease. <laughs> it's called boatitis. Term- terminal, go. anyway. Good yeah. word for it. <laughs> well, we have a phone call, so let's go to that. Good morning, welcome to Boat Talk. 
Good morning. Thank you. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing okay. Um, unfortunately, this is a small boat question. I, I, I understand that you're looking at sort of larger boats perhaps today with your guests, but if you don't mind fielding a small boat question. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no. who, who are we speaking to this morning? Where are you at? Uh, my name is Cameron. I'm calling from Penobscot. Morning, Cameron. Morning. Um, I, um, my father-in-law and I, uh, it's his boat, but he and I kind of work on this thing together. It's, a, it's an 18-foot Suncat, fiberglass, kind of old thing, 70s, um, big old bathtub, um, you know, 18-foot of boat and about 16 feet of cockpit. Um, the, the, one of the great features about this is the cockpit sole is above the waterline, so it's self-draining cockpit. The problem is the drain just doesn't drain. Um, there's like this, you know, 100-year-old, 3-8-inch or so, maybe half-inch in diameter um, rubber hose that kind of goes down from the sole down out through the through a through hull. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter if I ream the thing out. I mean, I can stick things through it, and it, it, the things go through fine, but it just doesn't seem to drain, um, even if it's up on its trailer. And so I don't know if I can... I don't. The best way to replace this, I guess, my question is: Can I, can I just glass in a big old fat piece of um, fiberglass uh, piping that's rigid, or am I going to risk pounding that thing out the bottom of the boat as I walk around in the cockpit? Does it have to be flexible? Well, Does that make any that, sense? I think it should have a section of hose in it because it, there's some flexibility to the cockpit sole. Right. Uh, it's just going to have a real hard place in it. Yeah. And it's harder to put together, too. Yeah. It's simpler to put in a, a piece of hose, it seems to me. Okay. Does the um, cockpit sole have enough pitch to it so the water goes to the drain? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, that's not... I mean, the water gets to the drain beautifully. Um, mm. But uh, it just... I don't know why it just... I mean, there... It was clogged at first, so I unclogged it. But, um, you know, since having reamed several things through it, it still just doesn't really drain. I mean, does that does that sort of three-eighths, does that just, doesn't that, seem, that seems skinny to me. Like that is, three-eighths is a little small for a drain. That is small. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. quite three small. Three-eighths? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's real small. Need, um, need two to. inches would be a, a reasonable size I, for something ideal, like that. Ideal, but you could get away with... Inch and a half in a little boat like that ought to be adequate, but okay, well, it's all good. So maybe, maybe it's just a question of I don't know too much water, not enough air, or something going through. I don't know really how. I guess no, that really doesn't make sense. But scuppers always um, they always attract uh, compost, you know, for just sure, junk and the uh, leaves from storage, just. Uh, you know, even the the uh, uh, loose grain from the deck as it gets scuffed off. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. and if it's so small, it can it'll always want to be clogged up. Well, I, and I think that's the problem. I think that it's just a question of diameter. Yeah, yeah I put so a inch and a half to what? Is, what was your maximum? Well, uh, two inches is a good size scupper drain. Can't can't okay. hurt. Uh, nobody's going to fall in it, but stuff can right. get through. But you're going to have to change the the uh, through hole too. I mean, the through hole yeah. is the restriction here. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah I think through. I think maybe that's where it gets hung up. Like there's the the, the little lip where the through hole comes up and the hose flips over it. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to run fair too. Either you got to put some, I'm you know I'm trying to envision it, but it's you have, need to put 45 elbows or something in it, and mm -hmm. so it needs to be able to run fair. The other craziest thing that I just thought of that I might try if you continue to have problems with it, try. Try it sounds ridiculous, but I try using a plumber's helper on it. Yeah, that would probably work. Drain auger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would probably work. <laughs> yeah, that no reason why work. not. They Call. use they use them to change light bulbs today. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Call Roto Rooter and see if they'll they'll charge you a non-marine price for their <laughs> yep, services. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Best of luck great. with that, Cameron. Um, I'll right. tell you what. Um, it's all about shedding water, and I think it's a rule of the planet that if you absorb water, you're going to uh, die and be rotten death. And if you shed water like a duck, you can uh, you can uh, really, you know, live live long and happy. And yeah. same same with your boat. If you that's know. the biggest problem the world has got today, we'll lick it easily. Yeah, right. Shedding water. That's trickier than you think. Shedding water. Thanks for calling this morning. Thank you. All right. Thanks very much. Cameron called one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Yeah, and we're uh, 
bit, a bit better than a quarter of the way through boat talk, and I think we ought to start in on our friend uh, Sonny Perkins here this morning. Give him a, we'll give him a real overhaul. <laughs> yeah. Sonny um, uh, spent his uh, career uh, mostly in oil supply tugs, but uh, started off as a... Uh, able-bodied seamen cruising around the world and sonny you you like to brag that you had one of the best boyhoods ever growing up in penobscot maine in the late 50s there sure did i was opie yep what happened to you you ended up uh, roaming around the oceans of the world oh right? always have been uh fact, me and my friend charlie i think we were 10 and we saw this old rowboat you know upside down in a field and it was old and so we each chipped in 50 cents and bought it. And we never did get it to float. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, but it took both of us because one had to row and one had to bail. <laughs> but uh, no, that's what uh, we No roof and tire? You didn't know about roof and tire? Well, it was, uh, wasn't lots of money back in those days. And we could, uh, we could kind of scrape together some white lead and Red lead yeah. and stuff and caulking, yeah. but nothing worked. People don't understand what some people uh, did in the days of the Depression, which I remember as a kid having our first boat with just a dub big double-ended punt. Yeah. No money, but we used to paint the bottom to keep her tight with roof and tire. Yeah. Heat it up in a bucket and paint it on there. Yeah. I didn't even know if we had roof and tire back then, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, no, it was always, you know, my family's always had boats. My brother's got a 35-foot Chris Craft uh, sailboat. Uh, I've got a cousin. She's got a Hinkley 41. Yeah. And uh, we've always had boats. Uh, I've never owned one personally except for the one that wouldn't float. Yeah, but uh, I've been on many of them. That little boat represented freedom to those kids, didn't it? Oh, hell yeah. 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 Ultimate free place, sinking or not, we're free. Oh, sure. Well, I yeah. was very lucky when I was a youngster, too. Uh, I had the freedom to roam all around the boatyard that was just diagonally across the street from my home. And in those days, a kid would walk in out of the boatyard like it was a candy store. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it was a candy store for me. And uh, today, the children don't have that freedom. No. They're tied up in, in iPads or cell phones or television. And they wouldn't be allowed to wander around a boatyard anyhow. No. Oh, sure, somebody else would be after them. Yeah. But, but it was a wonderful way to grow up. Oh, yes. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, and there were lots of big sailing yachts at the yard when I was a kid. Well, there weren't many boatyards in Penobscot. We had brickyards. Tiffy's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> in Marblehead, Massachusetts, one of the great yeah. boating yeah. centers. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you um, you got through uh, you got through your boyhood in the sinking boat there, and you joined the navy. I did. Yeah. What was you yeah. thinking when you joined the navy? Well, I wanted to go in the Marines, uh, but my father said navy was good enough for me, is good enough for you. So I joined the navy and went to special forces. <laughs> yeah, and uh, did ended up um, you know as long as you were in the navy, you figured you ought to you ought to find the most exciting thing to do and and. Uh, started off with the underwater demolition technicians uh, underwater demolition team yeah yeah udts yeah. which is yeah. kind of related to the navy seals and that's where you ended up well at those days uh the top uh 10 of the graduating class of udt were recommended for seal training and there was 120 of us that started out you know uh and there was 22 of us that finished and Top ten was two of us. So, but they didn't know what to do with us because Kennedy only authorized forty or forty-two because there's seven men to a boat, and uh, so there was you know, six, six teams, six boats, and they didn't know what to do with us because we couldn't fit in on a regular SEAL team because they were full. So the CIA stepped in. CIA, I've heard of them. They, <laughs> and again, we're talking. Uh, it's Vietnam now. And I asked you one time. I said, I said, Sonny, did you serve in Vietnam? And you kind of looked at me and says, Well, not exactly South Vietnam. No. Uh, where did you serve? Laos. 
Laos. You weren't supposed to be there officially, no. were you? No. No, we weren't supposed to be in South China either. South China. <laughs> used, to hi- used to hike to South China yeah. and blow things up. Yeah. Basically. You know, munition factories. Yeah. Well, in fact, there was just a loose term, too. But, uh, yeah. You know, I figured we saved a, a few lives. And, mm. and, and, um, and like you say, at the time... Uh, there was no plan how to utilize you people, so you landed over there, and uh, the CIA's got got some projects and stuff, but kind of stepchilds. Nobody. Well, the thing is, uh, if you're with the military, you know, official military, uh, everything like these uh, missions would have to go through Congress or an approval board, uh, but CIA didn't have to do that. They just said, "Go get them." What was the CIA doing in that village in Laos besides... Um, Just running us. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Were you getting regular military pay then? Or were you oh, yes. Hmm. Yeah. It's time cashing a check over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, um, well, actually, you know, we didn't. <laughs> if you're going to hike from, uh, from Laos to southern China to blow something up, the uh, biggest uh, asset that you have is sneaking around. Silence. Rest, silence. Silence, yeah. Yeah. So the, you just can't literally go in there, guns blazing. No guns. No guns. No. Nope. Uh, it took me two days to convince the rest of the team, no firearms. You know, because as soon as you fire, they're going to know you're there. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, and so, nope, we just <coughs> use knives and groats. So, again, did not bring your firearms. No. Because if you use, and even if you, um, you know, you uh, can eat native food, you can smoke native tobacco, you can try to uh, dress and smell right, but mm-hmm. uh, even if you shoot an AK-47 instead of an M-16, you've made a big noise and drawn attention to yourselves. Yeah, and, and there's a big difference in the sound, too. Pretty hard to hide after yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. No, no firearms. Mm. Now, you ended up getting wounded at the end mm-hmm. uh, of your uh, military Oops, career there. Times. Yeah. Several times. Yeah. Yeah, no, oh, I had uh, five purple hearts. Ended up with a fifty caliber uh, bullet in your shoulder, though. And well, then, we, it went through the shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that was a good thing. And and uh, so you got to spend some time in the hospital after uh, your career as a Navy SEAL there. And um, kind of fair to say that you were a little puzzled after seeing what went down in in the uh, place where you'd just been operating. Well, I wasn't really puzzled. I was screwed right up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was not fit for civilian life you know, when I when I got out. You know, there's a lot of people that aren't. It seems uh, to be going on still, too, doesn't it? Yes, it is. Well, maybe a good place to keep you out <coughs> in the middle of the ocean. So uh, how did you get started as an able-bodied seaman? I got tired of being an underground miner. An underground miner? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't, wouldn't <laughs> smile at that at all. Well, I just, uh, uh, my first marriage, uh, I... Took a job at Callahan Mines in Cape Rosier. Over here in Brooksville, now a super fun yeah. site. Yeah. That's yeah. what's wrong with you. It could be. <laughs> uh, but no, I uh, But I found out that uh, in the Navy, all the time you spend overseas is called deferred sea time. And to get an A-B ticket, you need three years, or an yeah. unlimited A-B ticket, yeah. you need three years of sea time. And I had it. And I said, well, good enough. So I went down to Portland. And at that time, they just handed you, well, they, well I don't have it with me, uh, but they handed you your, your Siemens card. Yeah. And it had, well, mine says unlimited able Siemens, uh, any vessel, any waters. Yeah. That's where I got mine, was in Portland. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do it anymore. Yeah. You know, they closed the... Oh, yeah. 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 Now, didn't you tell me uh, yeah. one time you were the youngest able-bodied seaman in the Exxon fleet? I was. Off we go. It was Esso at that time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, they the have days. what they call, uh, <clears throat> nobody ever quit Esso, you know, because there was just, you know, so many benefits. And yeah, it's a good company, well. regardless of what anybody thinks. Oh, it was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember back when I first started, they had 42 ships. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, I think they might have five. Yeah, they're yeah. down. They're cut way, way back. They're building yeah. a couple of brand new ships, I think, just for that West Coast run. Well, we? you know, we really don't have a uh, an overseas merchant fleet anymore. No, uh, the no. freighters are all gone. Yeah, uh, because the Jones Act. Yeah, and that's the only reason we still have a tanker fleet. Yeah. is because you yeah. can't pick up 
cargo one U.S. port and deliver it another to another. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. unless you're you know, American yeah. flagship. Yeah, that's something yeah. we've been talking about on Boat Talk for years: the lack of American flags and what American yeah. flag yeah. means. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, all you gotta do is go to these ports like Savannah, and you don't see an American flagship. It's a shame. It really is a shame. Yeah, I uh, and uh, boy, I'll tell you what, that's one of the worst currents I've ever seen. In Savannah. Yeah. I, I ran a boat out of uh, Savannah yeah. for about three weeks, and that was plenty. Yeah. You know, oh, Christ. Uh, that that I, current I, just I go out streams. in and out of there with a yacht once in a while, and mm-hmm. I'm moving, you know. Yeah, the only place I've ever seen with the worst current is Hell's Gate in New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of yeah. water going through there. Well, it's not bad. It's, I believe in using them. I, I don't go mm-hmm. through those places and... Generally speaking, I try to figure, get mm-hmm. a fair tide, current rather, you know, get a fair current. Yeah. Makes a big, big difference. I wouldn't go up the Delaware River without getting a fair current. You know, in an eight, nine knot boat, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Well, the first first boat, uh, first ship I was ever on was the Delaware Getty. Yeah. And they, uh, they dock at uh, uh, Delaware City. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. very familiar with it, yeah. Yeah, and they dog there. But they uh, they do something that I don't think it should be allowed. Matter of fact, the Exxon Valdez is a good example of it because uh, they had their their mates on, that was on a regular run get their local knowledge and get their pilotage. Yeah, that's yeah. right on the back of the license. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and if there'd been a federal pilot on that boat, that wouldn't have never would have happened. I, I don't know. I disagree with you. I think if, I think uh, there was something else went on there. Oh yeah, I knew. I knew the helmsman. Uh, he was from New Bedford. Yeah. Uh, he'd spent most of his career as a messman. Yeah, in which in uh, at sea there's only two departments: deck and engine. You know, and yeah. the, the the mess. Uh, the stewards department is part of the deck department, so you can spend, you know, three, four, five years, you know, uh, serving pea soup. Yeah. You know, and then go get your AB ticket. Yeah. You know, and this guy, uh, what was lazy, just lazy, and I know, I know, I, I know him, and, and uh, there's a little green light on the side of the steering station. Yeah. That'll tell you when it's on automatic pilot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, all you got to do is hang your hat over that light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the boat will drive itself, yeah. and you pretend yeah. you're working yeah. while the oh, officer yeah. supervises. Yeah, well, yeah. there's something, because, uh, <clears throat> well, you know, my son was captain of the sister ship. Oh, was he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I knew Joe Hazelwood. Yeah. I uh, knew well, him very well. Yeah. And, uh. My son didn't care for him. No. I know him when he was third and second mate. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I liked him. But you know what he's doing now? Yeah, teaching. Yeah, he's an instructor at King's Point. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, we're on... um, We've uh, now gone to see able-bodied seamen and uh, just uh, rambling around the world on S.O. tankers. Well, that's why I quit our Exxon, is because we was on a steady run between Baytown, Texas, with heating oil, and we'd take half a load to Wilmington, Delaware, uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, and the other half to Charleston, South Carolina. So all we were was just uh, what boat taxi. What, what ships were you in? Uh, the Gettysburg was one. Uh, that, well, that's one that, that I, I I just finally quit. Yeah, I think that's the one my son brought out new. Yeah, new. Yeah, he took her out new. Yeah, where she built Avondale. Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I I, I know she was yeah. like a drugstore uh, on a boat. Uh, they had thirty-two different grades yeah. of fuel, uh, bright stocks primarily. Yeah. yeah, and you know, thus the additives that they put in, yeah, oil and stuff. Yeah. Well, you're a fairly bright fellow, Sonny, and you was working on the deck of these boats, and you kind of <coughs> looked around, and, and uh, didn't you kind of get the idea that the best job on the boat was captain? 
Oh, I already knew that. Yeah. <laughs> and Actually, the best job on the boat is mate. I yeah, yeah. I, and I like your attitude on that. We'll we'll yeah. get to that in just a minute. But uh, um, so started studying basically, didn't you? Uh, I went to Captain Vans. Uh, a school in Morgan City, Louisiana, and uh, the company paid. Uh, I was working for uh, uh, International Moorings and Marines, and they they paid for me to go to Captain Vans, and I got my license there. And how long did it take to go from able-bodied seaman to the captain's chair? Two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little time lapse in there somewhere, isn't there? Nope. Uh, no, I, uh, well, two weeks and two days. Uh, no, I went to New Orleans and got my license and come back and company says, all right, we've got a boat for you right over here. But you got a very limited license to, to start with. I started out with a 300 ton. With how much? 300 ton. Yeah, okay, yeah. You know, and yeah. then that was grandfathered <clears throat> to a 500 ton. Yeah. And then I took some additional courses, uh, ocean winds and weather and medicine yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. and got my 1,600 ton. Yeah. Let's go back to uh, uh, best position on the boat, though. Um, as you say, first mate, um, and you, you've worked all those positions mm -hmm. uh, up the up the way to uh, from able-bodied captain. And the first mate is an interesting dude now. He's got a lot of responsibility, but he doesn't have the responsibility. No, nope. when he's off watch, he's off watch. He can sleep when uh, something goes bump, theoretically, yeah. you know, and, and the captain can't. And, nope. uh, yes, and he also can, gets overtime. Not on my boats. Yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> no, down on the Gulf, they don't pay overtime. Yeah. You get a state, you know, day, daily rate. But, uh, but no, it's... Uh, no, the captain's never off watch. Matter of fact, when I was towing those rigs to uh, from New Orleans to Chile, uh, the crew, after about the first week, they kept a log of actually how much time I slept at one time. And the longest that I slept at one time was about 45 minutes. And the job of the captain is not just to, to uh, supervise everything. <clears throat> I mean, the captain is... There's nobody more responsible on earth uh, as the captain of a vessel when you get right down to it. Well, you're right. You're out there by yourself. You've got what you've got. And uh, somebody best keep it together and organize. Yeah, well, that's why I insisted uh, on having total control of my crew. Uh, like I said, when, when I started working out in, uh, well, in the equatorial regions, uh, me and the operation manager had to talk. I said, no married men, no engaged men, uh, and I want to interview every single one of them. I said, because we work straight time. A lot of times down there, they work two weeks on, one week off, and uh, we work straight time. By straight time, you mean? Take me off when I beg you. <laughs> yeah. Till til they drag you off. Huh? Yeah, I was on there for three years. Mm. Yeah. And... Uh, but I, I told him, he, he said, what, what, why no married or engaged people? I, I said, we're working with 20-ton anchors. I said, each link on that anchor chain weighs 250 pounds. The chain, the wire at the end of the anchor chain is three-inch, you know, and it whips like a snake. I said, I need my men to have their mind on their job, you know, not wondering what mom was doing back home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's a... It's very, very well taken point. I, I, I would agree with you. I would agree with yeah, you. Yeah, well, I had a very successful crew for three years. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was great. Nobody uh, got hurt. Nobody well, ever got hurt on my boat. Yeah. Let's uh, yeah. describe these boats, too, the anchor, sh anchor supply tugs. Uh, mm -hmm. You see them on the news every once in a while. Uh, matter of fact, uh, towing Carnival cruise ships or, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. whatever. But... Um, what, how, how big's this boat, and uh, how's it configured, and what's it do? Well, there's different sizes. Uh, my favorite was, was the Captain Kid, who's 240 foot long, you know, 48 foot wide. I uh, had twin 10 foot stainless steel screws, and nice bow thrust, and it would pull the bends out of the Mississippi River. Yeah. The house is forward and aft. You yeah. have a long open deck. And sure. I asked, I asked yeah. you one time, what do you do with that big uh, empty deck? And you said, about everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we do. Yep. Well, we, when I was in Gibraltar, 
we had uh, 32 containers of nitromethane we were taken to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, we had to stop in Gibraltar for water. What's nitromethane? Doesn't sound good. <laughs> uh, it's, they were using it for, for harbor dredging yeah. and stuff. It's, it's an explosive. Huh. Right. Yeah. We have a phone call, so let's go to that. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Boat Talk. <laughs> Hi, it's Fred Tennant Harbor. Hey, Fred. Um, two, two things. Um, yeah, I'm, any of you heard of biorhythms? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, my understanding is that uh, in Japan and in Europe, at least in the past, uh, boat captains and other people with similar responsible uh, occupations were monitored and pulled when they were critical or low. And uh, I didn't. I just tuned in a few minutes ago, so I didn't catch which ship, what event uh, you were talking about. Um, uh, but uh, I've checked it out myself. I've kept calendar for a couple of months and noted, uh, you know, my successes and failures and checked it out on biorhythms. So anyway, that's uh, that's gospel for me as far as uh, one way to help you stay out of trouble. And uh, one more thing is, uh, I, I imagine you know Skip Strong, Captain. Yeah. And I've seen his slideshow twice. And after I'd seen the slideshow, I felt like I'd seen a movie. It was so such an incredible story so well presented and i just wonder if any of you have uh, seen it or know the story and also i just wondered if there was talk of it being turned into a movie and i wonder if you know anything about that don't know about the movie but we turned it into a hell of a good hour of radio i think it's probably the best hour of boat talk we ever did uh -huh. and the reason being alan and i are barely in it uh, Skip takes uh, what 42, 40 minute, 44 minutes, and tells yeah. his story Good of story. rescuing a. Um, basically, a, a tug is having an engine fire and it's sinking in a tropical storm off of Florida. Um, Skip's coming around with a loaded oil tanker, and he rescues this tug within spitting distance of Bethel Shoal. And as as uh, we were talking about Captain Joe Hazelton earlier in the Exxon Valdez, Skip's line is. Um, if I had gone up on that shoal, uh, Joe Hazelton would have been a footnote on my story. Well, that's, a, that's a miserable place. I've yeah. been down by it when loaded bad, bad weather, and you, boy, you don't want to get anywhere near it. Well, loaded tankers do not rescue uh, tugs in distress. It's the other way around. And uh, well, it wasn't just a tug. He, that tug was towing that's, towing quite the bar. The, that's the, the bars the with the with the carriage spit. Capsule. An unusual barge yeah. uh, with a large sail area and looked like a Conestoga wagon. And Skip <laughs> did not find out till later that it had a space shuttle booster underneath the Conestoga wagon cover. Uh -huh. And uh, so Skip ended up winning the largest marine salvage award in history. In history. And the government um, uh, appealed that and then it got upped. Uh, you are treated very generously when you uh, uh, do marine salvage. It's to encourage you to, to risk. But on our Boat Talk website and uh, at weru.org, that show from September 03 has been reposted. Uh -huh. uh, Skip Strong in Peril. And uh -huh. you can listen to it with a push of a button on your computer. And I highly recommend that you block out 44 minutes when Skip starts telling his story because it's pretty hard. Turns into a legal thriller after a sea well, story. <laughs> yep. yep. So anyway, thanks for calling this morning. All right. Fred. Well, thanks for the great Always show. Good to hear from you. Yeah. Thank you. I got to ask a quick question. What do you think about losing that minesweeper in the Philippines? Oh, the one that ran aground. Yeah, there's a big big suit against it now, isn't there? Uh, for damages. It depends on why they went aground. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, if they lost propulsion, that'd be one thing. No, if it was no, Captain no, Arrow. No, they ran it right up on it. <coughs> on a coral reef, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah, sounds like pilot error. Huh? Um, deliberately? Uh, no, oh, no, no, uh, no. The U.S. No, Navy, no. Uh, I've got to say, it, it sounds like uh, yeah, a Captain Arrow. They're very hard on people that run their ships aground, too. The Navy is, like, saying, yeah, holds people responsible, which is... Well, they got to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. the way it works. Those are nice ships. You wasn't very old, about 13 years old. Yeah, mine's we was there about, uh, what, about 160 foot? No, that, that's the old ones. Uh, mm -hmm. the, these new ones are 240. I think. Yeah. All right, same size as my boats. Yeah, yeah. they're big, and they're big, big all over. Yeah. yeah. Big. 
So these uh, oil supply tugs you're working on, again, um, you spent most of your career, um, uh, the way I envision it, in the Gulf of Mexico. Can no, actually I spent most of my career. Uh, I spent, well, oh, let's see, nine months in Cartagena, Colombia, uh, eight and a half, nine months in Recife, Brazil, oh, about four months in Nigeria, and 14 months in Saudi Arabia. And I'd come back every once in a while and take a boat out into the Gulf, but I didn't like the Gulf of Mexico. No? No. Why is that? Mm, several reasons. I didn't like dealing with the people. Uh, uh, it's not a good place to be a Yankee. You know. <laughs> <laughs> too much traffic, too much rigs. Uh. Oh, my God. It's a, uh, They brought out all the boats in. Uh, there was one hurricane out there. Uh, and that. Uh, and I always prefer, if I'm going to be in a hurricane, I want to be at sea. You know, I don't want to be at the dock. But uh, they orders all in. And there was over 3,000 boats tied up in, in, Cam- in, in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and of all, and that that was just Lake Charles. There was an equal number in Morgan City. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. no, it's it's just uh, they're tied up right one next to each other too. So oh, just chafing and all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No yeah. way to protect or handle your own vessel. No, you know, and yeah, all the time. Yeah. All right. If you're outboard, somebody inboard has got to get out. Yeah, yeah. So everybody has to move. And when you get boats like that, just everybody moving, and there's no uh, coordination. Bumper boats. Uh Let's talk about trouble for a minute. One of my great joys of life was to uh, hauled you over to a party one time in Hancock, (laughs) and we walked in the door, and there's our good friend Steve Callahan standing Mm -hmm. there. Hadn't seen Steve in a while. He'd been uh, sick, and... Uh, Steve, of course, uh, we just interviewed a little while ago. He was the Marine safety consultant on the Life of Pi movie, won an Oscar. Also uh, wrote the book Adrift, 76 Days in a Life Raft, his uh, personal story. Walked in the door, saw Steve and laughed and says, Steve, Sonny, Sonny Steve, you both spent time in life rafts. Talk among yourselves and stood back. And, He's coming and, by 72 days. And listened to you guys, yeah. <laughs> but you've, uh, you've been sunk a time or two. Just two. Yeah. Yeah, first time I was on a Spanish tanker, and what were you doing on the Spanish tanker? I was a workaway. You had missed your boat in Singapore. Yep, kind of on purpose, having a good time ashore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first time I missed the boat in Singapore, the captain left for the sailing board because you know they post the sailing board. You know, ship leaves at this time, crew to be aboard at this time, and he left for the sailing board. So the embassy in Singapore. They put me on a, a jet plane to uh, the Philippines, Longapo, in the Philippines. And that was lots of fun. So the next time I was in Singapore, I sort of hid behind the building a little bit until the <laughs> ship left. And uh, the embassy said, nope, this is going to have it. <laughs> so they put me on a Spanish tanker that was headed to, to the West Coast. And it was old, old, old. Uh, and decrepit, and the chief mate was an idiot. And uh, they loaded two, two different cargoes, crude oil and diesel oil. And this guy loaded the crude oil at each end and the diesel in the middle. You know, I was out. They paid me a dollar a day, plus room and board, and I had to sleep in the passageway, <coughs> and I got to eat what was left over. Do they yeah. all speak Spanish and, and you don't? Uh, I learned. <laughs> you learned some. <laughs> yeah. But no, I was out working on deck one day, and I saw a crack developing right, just about almost midships. And I said, hmm, keep an eye on a that. A crack in the deck. A crack in the deck. <clears throat> and, That's not uh, good. No. And as time progressed, the crack got bigger. So I went and got the chief mate. I said, look here. Well, he didn't want to see me, yeah. And and will go over the side, and you see the crack descending. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, boy. Uh, 
Well, within the next day, uh, the crack had gone completely across the deck, and the captain knew that she was going she was going down. Yeah. So we all got in friggin' light in the life rafts, and we stayed in for four days. And uh, the only exciting time was I had to break up a knife fight between the bosun and the second mate. In a life raft. In a life, in an inflatable, inflatable life, life raft. raft. Yeah. Boys want to have a knife fight. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Didn't work. Somebody's got issues. Yeah. <laughs> well, what the, the great thing was that the shit that picked us up was the one I missed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that worked out all right. But no, again, really, the captain wasn't thrilled. I was a ship's representative on board, which is like the union steward. <clears throat> and uh, they like to try to get away with stuff. You know, and if it's not in the contract, don't do it. Like, they, they'll pull the crew out on weekends yeah. and do stuff and call it an emergency. And I, I said, no, it's not an emergency. Emergency is something you don't see coming. Well, you know, uh, I said, you knew this was going to happen. I said, you waited till the weekend? Yeah, you could pay us overtime. And uh, he didn't like that. But no, they were headed for uh, Yokosuka, Japan. <clears throat> so one lesson is no knife fights and life rafts you on another boat this hank you didn't get the benefit of life rafts no. but there's another lesson from the sinking of that boat isn't there oh yeah don't ever go off the low side go off the high side because yeah. the boat's going to roll over on you and that's what happened we lost two men yeah people were killed yeah yeah, yeah. and no life rafts you ended up in the water that <clears throat> time yeah, four hours where were you and how'd you end up getting rescued well we was Oh, just about halfway across the uh, Gulf of Mexico. Uh, well, now so actually in the Bay of Campeche. And uh, there was a jet plane. The Ypres had went off. And uh, there was a, a commercial jetliner from Mexico City that picked up the signal. And they radioed the Coast Guard in Galveston. That's the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. 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 Came and got you. Came and got us. Yeah. Huh. We're talking to uh, Sonny Perkins from Penobscot this morning. Uh, you might hear him on other call-in shows around here. Uh, Sonny from Penobscot, always uh, not shy to chip in. And, uh, again, retired merchant master, worked his way up the Hawes Pipe. Um, and we are uh, talking about uh, his career now. We talked about the big oil spill down in the Gulf of Mexico uh, a couple years back here, mm. and you had a couple of uh, real interesting points on that. Um you have been around a couple of oil spills. Three. Yeah, and I asked you, I says, did you work cleaning up some oil spills? And you says, well, I was there. I Cleaning up is the operative word you had problems with. You don't clean them up. You don't clean them up. They, 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 they spill a boom around them. You know, that's good for the newscasts. Uh, but like I said before, you know, on the lake, flat calm water booms work. Yeah. Uh, but in the open ocean... Yeah, yeah. You know, you're just washing, you're just picking up the same oil over yeah. and over and over. Yeah. You know, uh, the skimmers, I think, might might work. Uh, those skimmers they have now. Yeah. That that skim the oil and the water <coughs> up and separate it. Yeah. And take it off. That might work. But no, uh, no, the one in Venezuela was crazy. Uh, but, well, you know. And uh, witnessed a um, propane tank explosion in Nigeria. Yeah, I was involved in it. Can well, we, uh, let's go to a phone call before we get to that exam. We have just enough time for one more phone call. So, good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Uh, hi, Larry from Bass Harbor. I'm wondering how you resolve uh, concerns when you're crew on a boat and you feel, even if you're less experienced, that the captain and the people in charge are uh, making uh, bad decisions, <laughs> be, it a, be it a pleasure boat or a commercial boat. <laughs> Thank you. It's called mutiny, Larry. <laughs> well, uh, you just put up with it. You know, you if, if you know the captain's incompetent and they have him, uh, you just got to watch what you're doing and, and watch what he's doing. Yeah, look for another ship next time you get yep, to Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as soon as you get back to port, never feel see you, Cap. Never feel inhibited to point out the obvious, but you got to do it diplomatically <clears throat> and politically sometimes, especially when you're dealing with... Uh, Captains can sometimes, uh, you like the Pope, you're never wrong. It's a great great thing to be, you know. I threw one off the wheel one day, one one evening. Uh, a superior officer. 
He was the captain. Yeah. Yeah. And I was the mate. And I, I got slammed up against the bulkhead. I was, I was in bed. And I'm going, what is going on? You know, I mean, really slammed up against the bulkhead. And I get up, and I went up in the wheelhouse, and the captain was actually crying. And uh, he was going full throttle into 25 to 30 foot seas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And yeah. I told him, as a cap, I got to pull him back. Yeah. You know, just maintain steerage way. Yeah. Oh, no, no, we got to get in. We got to get in. I said, we'll never get in like this. So uh, he wouldn't pull him back. And I just picked him out of the chair and threw him in the corner and told the deckhand, I said, take him down to my room. I got a bottle of wild turkey down there. Feed it to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got in. But there was another boat, that same type of captain. And he died because the sea came up. Broke through the, uh, uh, the pilot house windows. Whip pilot house windows mm. and decapitated him. Oh boy! Well, uh, say any of that. We do have one more phone call, so let's try and go into that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hi. Jeez, I hope I haven't forgotten my question or my comment. It's Fred again. Um, oh, I just uh, finished reading um, uh, Isaac Storm by uh, Larson about uh, the hurricane of 1900 that wiped Galveston. And he really goes into the uh, the whole the thing of the average weather in the Gulf, and I can see why, uh, Sonny, you don't uh, like being down there because, uh, especially now, um, you know, really fun storms coming up. I read that book. That's an excellent book. It yes. sure is. Yeah. I Good. don't know. We're going to get to any Sonny's storm storm stories this morning. We are running out of time. We're Darn. almost in the boat talk corner here this morning. Um, thanks, Fred. One thing I wanted to ask you real quick was uh, when we were talking about oil spills, you used to collect samples of crude oil. Mm-hmm. And oil's not just oil. We just had a, a, a pipeline spill in Arkansas of, of the uh, tar sand oil, um, which I'm guessing would be slightly different in a mason jar from Gulf crude or Alaska crude. or. Well, there's all kinds of it. There's a Gulf yeah. crude. There's uh, East Texas sweet, sweet crude, uh, Alaskan crude. Uh, uh, Liberian crude, the the African crude, you actually have to hold a match, you know, on it, you know, to get it to ignite. Alaskan crude, I got a match probably within a foot of it. Woof. Yeah, and yeah. it went poof. Uh, very thin, very thin. Uh, the, the North African crude is... Basically, a paraffin base. Uh, East Texas crude is a lot like Alaskan crude. What's sweet oil? Uh, sweet oil is. You talk uh, about it, you know, something, you know. Well, it's thin, and uh, they give, well, they, they call it dirty diesel. Yeah. Actually, because all they do, they they run it through a filter, you know, to get the sand out of it, and then they run their equipment off it, <clears throat> you know, right out of the ground, mm. you know, and that that's sweet crude. Yeah, the other stuff ain't so sweet. And the o- Gulf from the oil, uh, the oil from the Gulf, when uh, that rig blew up down there, you said basically that's just going to sink right to the bottom and make balls. And, and you turned Huge. out to be kind of right about that, didn't you? Huge balls. Yeah. Sonny Perkins, Penobscot, Maine. I am sorry. We uh, probably could uh, keep this conversation going for several hours. <coughs> we haven't even started into some of the good stories we can tell yet, let alone some of the other ones I know about we probably shouldn't talk about on the radio. And, We've enjoyed having you here this morning. We're so glad Giffy was back. Boat Talk's second Tuesday every month. And uh, boattalk.org and at weru.org. All right. And don't forget about the Boat Talk cruise. Just give Chris a call at 469-6600 to sign up for the Boat Talk cruise June 22nd, leaving from Northeast Harbor. It was very nice to be here. Oh, thank you, Sonny. Nice to see you again. Good to see you. You mentioned you mentioned private talk, but you mentioned Hazel was wrong. Support for Boat Talk made possible in part by Gamble and Hunter Sailmakers, making sails for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main windjammers for thirty years. Near the harbor in Camden. 
campbellandhunter.net. Support for Boat Talk also comes from Windward Passage, a co-ed program providing Maine's middle and high school students ages 12 to 18 with opportunities to experience traditional sailing along the coast of Maine. More information at www.windwardpassage.org.